If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hello and welcome to the 1875 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Scorfield. Today I have guests Matthew Holt and Alex Lomax. Um... Matthew, how has the international break been treating you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been all right. It would have been a bit nicer if I'd won some of my bets. Obviously, we can't can't lose when we're in the international break, so we're on a two two week unbeaten run, Rovers fans. So be happy. But hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to pick up some points now that the international break is done. Definitely. Um, and Alex, how's the international break been for you? It's been okay when you take into account. England's 11 goals scored and non-conceded, I suppose, from, from the England point of view. But from the Rovers' point of view, I've been somewhat relieved to actually not be thinking about any upcoming games mm. because of the way we've been playing. But let's hope for better things on the run-up to Christmas now. <laughs> to be fair, that seems to be a common theme amongst Twitter as well. That You know, at least, at least we've not lost. Um, so no complaints there. Uh, but, of course, club football is back. This weekend, as uh, Rovers travel to Barn uh, travel as Barnsley travel to Blackburn, um, and we'll be touching on that a bit later. But first off, guys, what I want to do is get a general overview so far. So, I think this is the second of the third international break now um, that we're coming to the end of, and just assess Rovers' position. Um, we'll start with you, uh, Matt. What what are your opinions on Rovers' season so far? So, are we meeting the expectations? Are we not? Are we where we should be? Because I think that's a, a big, almost divisive thing in the Rovers community at the moment is that either we're well below expectations or we're at where we should be. So, what do you think? I think at the start of the season, uh, with the players that we brought in and in a way, the money that we spent, uh, we, we are, I think we're severely underperforming. But when, if you'd have said two years ago that we'd the first season we'd flirt with the playoffs and second season we'd sort of be where we maybe should have been in the first season, then I probably would have expected it. It's it, it's been difficult to watch um, and, and listen to in my case. Um, we've got strikers that aren't scoring. We've got defenders that are either injured or not defending or and we've got Elliot Bennett um we've got a problem at left back now with Cunningham injured and Amari Bell not performing and obviously Williams now moving inside it it seems to be a bit of a almost try and get through it as best as we can is is the is the way I'm looking at it um obviously losing Lenahan and Cunningham and that QPR game hit us hard and hasn't helped our season being able to push on but it's still early days in a way yeah we've we've only had 16 games in the championship and we are 18th but I think Villa were around the same position last year as well and yeah it took it took a managerial casualty for them to to start playing better but you don't know what's going to happen you go on a nice run of run of games towards Christmas and we're back flirting with the playoffs and, and everybody forgets about the barren, well, the barren and poor run that we've had of late. Um, it, it is, it is, we have underachieved, especially with the Gallagher 
being lots of people were raving about him. Brereton obviously scoring for fun in preseason and and got injured. Sam Hart had a brilliant preseason. He's not featured. In a way, it's almost like gone back to what Mowbray trusts in the Bennets, and and he's not. He used to like tinkering. I found where now he's sort of made. He's getting a bit stale. I think that pretty much sums up our season. I suppose I can see what you're saying there. He does have his favourites, but I think one of my biggest criticisms of Mowbray is probably the fact that he does tinker with certain areas of the team too much. Um, Alex, Matthew mentioned injuries there um, quite a bit. You know, Lenehan, Cunningham. Um, you can even look at people like Brereton who's been injured. Uh, Samuel, obviously he was injured last season, but it's still someone that that's, we've not got to look on. Um do you think injuries have played a part in our stop start to the season? Um or would you say that it's just general poor play because the injuries haven't been severe enough or lengthy enough to really have that much of an impact? I think you can talk about this in two ways really. I think we haven't when you look at the number of injuries in key areas, I don't think we've actually had that many. But I think the recruitment in the summer or lack of recruitment in the key areas that we really needed has left us incredibly exposed, even with just a couple of key injuries. You know, as Matt just mentioned, you know, we've had defenders moving around on a weekly basis and that isn't conducive to a you know consistent performance level. And we have seen that in the first third of the season or just just over a third of the season. I think when you look at where we are now in comparison to where we were at the same point last season, we've actually got worse despite spending more money. So that definitely has to be taken into account. And I think the word that Matt used, stale, I think that just perfectly sums up the situation at the minute, really. I think a lot of people are turning up to the ground just dreading the same mistakes and the same players making the same mistakes and the the manager making the same mistakes with his team selection. So I think it's been, so far this season, I'd say I've been very disappointed on the, on the results and even, I would say, a lot of the performances. You know, I was reading today with Bradley Johnson, his interview, and he admitted that the team haven't put more than 45 minutes together you know this season of a of a high performance level and in the championship if you can't put more than 45 minutes uh together then you aren't going to win enough games to challenge for the top 6 and looking at the table now i think we find ourselves 10 points off the top 6 after 16 games that that isn't great reading and eight losses from sixteen, so we've lost half of our we've lost half of our league games, which isn't good reading either. So I think we need to view the season so far as what it is, and that is serial underachievement, I would say. It is interesting that the underachievements mentioned when, like Matt also said, that you know, Aston Villa were in a similar situation last season and he mentioned that it was a managerial change that perhaps kickstarted that. I know your opinions, Alex, 
um, on that. Matt, what do you what do you think of the Mowbray situation? We can answer in more detail a bit later on with it, with a couple of the questions. But just in a word now, do you think that it's that change that needs to happen to kickstart the season, stop that stale nature and that, like Alex said, serial underachievement? Uh, no. Okay. So you're you're very much of the opinion that we should stick with Mowbray. We can go into this in more detail later on, of course. But just right now, before we do that, you're very much in the, the Mowbray in section. I've got a foot in the door. Okay, there we go. So you, you're still you're still leaning towards that. Um, so despite these this this troubled start, though, it's it's easy to forget that there was a Sheffield Wednesday game where everyone was really happy, Alex. Um, and we've got to credit Mowbray there. His substitutions did work. I was one of the few, uh, one of the one of the many that that mourned when Buckley was warming up, saying, um, "What's he going to do?" But to be fair to me, came on and, and got the goal. Um, is it worth worth looking at that and thinking, you know, Mowbray has got some stuff right this season? Or is it just a case of that that was a lucky strike from him? You can't... I'm a big believer that nothing is ever as bad as it seems, nothing is ever as good as it seems. And I think with Mowbray, you know, even though I would say I am in the Mowbray outside of things in terms of the debate that's going on at the minute with the between the fans... I'm not naive enough to say that everything that Marbury does is bad or you know, or vice versa, you know. I think you've got to give Marbury credit when the things he does, you know, pay up pay off. And I think they certainly did in the Chef Wednesday game. Um you know, I suppose I would say the luck more came with the deflection from the from the, you know, I would say speculative effort in the in injury time, which we don't normally get, so we'll take it. But I'm not, I'm not really naive enough to just slate everything that goes wrong for Marbury without giving him equal credit when things do go right. I think with the Chef Wednesday game, I think the mood after the game was as much about the relief of the injury time winner and turning around a deficit, you know, from conceding in the 83rd minute as it was about being happy for Marbury that we'd won, if that makes sense. you know. Yeah, I can see what you're saying, definitely. You look at the last six games and you've got to think that if we hadn't have won that game, then Marbury would be under even, you know, bigger amount of pressure than he is currently. You know, so you've got to, you've got to view it from the sense that of the relief of winning it late on. And I think it's... The thing as football fans that we all, you know, those moments are the moments that we always remember, the late winners. So I think it was more that than anything else. But, you know, I think if Mowbray is under pressure, I think it's from more than one game. I think it's a much bigger reason than that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the, the, the last minute winners are the moments that we live for as football fans. They're the, the best. To put it to put it bluntly, there's no better feeling, is there, than than that last minute winner. Um, moving on, then um, we've got Barnsley coming up. Of course, Barnsley haven't won since the opening game of the season and find themselves rock bottom of the Skybet Championship on nine points. Um, like I said, they've only won that one game at the start of the season, losing nine and drawing six. Um, so they've only actually lost one more than us. It seems that that drawing seems to be their problem. Um, just hired a new manager 
in Gerard Struber. I hope I've not butchered that name. Um, we need to expect three points here, don't we, Matt? This is a game that we should be looking at and thinking, yeah, three points for Blackburn, especially when it's at home. Yeah, you've touched on Barnsley's poor record already, and it is, no matter manager or not. Um, I think I think we mentioned it when we were speaking before, that in a way it's a good thing that they've got a new manager because nobody knows what to expect, and it's the same for Mowbray. Um it's expected that we get three, but I think everybody in the league expects us to get three points here. And in a way it's these games that really make or break your season. And you're playing a team that are in, are in deep doo-doo like yourselves. And in a way we're, we're getting to that stage. If we lose to Barnsley, we're looking at relegation battle. If we, if we win, it kicks on our season a bit. I mean, we can go as high as, as high as 15th, 14th, which isn't too bad well, compared to 18th. It, it, it's one of those games that actually there's more pressure on it than it needs to be. And But I think, yeah, 100% should be a three points for Blackburn. Do you echo that, Alex? It's the case of this is a game that we need to win. Pressure's on Mowbray, as we've said. Um, whether it's from the Venkis is, is, is irrelevant right now because the pressure's on him from the fans' point of view and so it's the first time in his career that's been the case. Um, is, this a, is this three points that we need, that Mowbray needs? I don't think there's any way that you can sugarcoat this game and dress it up. This game is an absolute must three points. And the reason for that is that We've already dropped points at home against the other two promoted clubs. And so it's absolutely vital that we don't drop any more points. I think it, with the home games in particular, it becomes sort of a psychology with the teams that, you know, come to your ground. If you, you know, if they see that you've lost to all three promoted clubs, they come to your ground with much more confidence, you know, play a much more open game and try and take the three points off you as well. And that can then, you know, spiral a bit out of control. So I think it's incredibly important that we win on Saturday, not only because we do need the points, as Matt alluded to, in terms of the distance from the relegation zone, but also just for the mentality going forward at home. You know, we cannot afford to lose all three games against the promoted teams at home. Definitely a fair point, of course, with the, with the Charlton and Luton results still living in the memory, um, as we are so early in the season. Those are games we expected to win, and we expect to win against Barnsley. Um, we have touched on the new manager. Um, I know, Matt, you said that the fact that we don't know what to expect from him, you know, could work into our hands. Alex, do you go along with that? Um, do you think that goes into a hands because Mowbray is not going to adapt his team to suit Barnsley's style? Um, or do you think that the fact that we don't know what to expect means that they could just fly out the blocks and completely uh, bamboozle us, if you will? I think me and you, Tom, have spoken about this before, but I think what our big criticisms of Mowbray often centre around his tendency to overcomplicate games in the championship and often focusing more on the opposition's strengths than our own strengths. And 
unless he takes a leaf out of Bielsa's book and spies on the training this week, then I can't see how he knows what's coming on Saturday. And I think that, yeah, it does play into our hands because I think Mowbray will look at the squad he has available, the players he has fit, and pick the best team that he thinks can beat Barnsley under any circumstance, which I think is when we're at our best, personally, when we don't worry about the opposition and we play to our own strengths. It's an interesting point, definitely. Like you said, play to your own strengths rather than we, we like I said, we have spoke before about that that adapt, ad, adapting to other teams. Um, of course, Struber is um, is basically unproven at this level. Um, I believe he managed Salzburg's youth team in the UEFA Cup, um, but obviously the championship is a whole different kettle of fish compared to to youth football. Um, so, uh, math, predict, Matthew, predictions for uh, Saturday's game against Barnsley? See, in a way, I think we've gone back to basics over the course of uh, the international break. And I reckon that that's going to play into our hands massively. And I reckon we're going to go... I mean, Barnsley have got three days to sort out the way they want to play and all that. And I'm, they're coming in with a bloke, like you say, is experienced. I'm actually going to say 4-1 to us. That's a very outlandish prediction. 4-1. You expect to see four goals in Ewood. Interesting. Or well, five goals if you count there one. Um, Alex, are you sharing the optimism? Are you going for a 4-1, a 5-1? Or are you going to see us edge out 1-0 or, or lose even? I think we will win on Saturday, but I don't think it will be anything like as comfortable as what Matt just said. And I think if I've learned anything since I've supported Rovers, it's that any game that is viewed to be a winnable game is invariably a lot tighter going into the last five minutes than we all want. So I'll go with a 2-1 win, going 2-0 in front and hanging on at the end as usual. And there'd be no finer Rovers way to get three points, would there? So, um, after Barnsley, we welcome Brentford midweek. Um, I believe that's on Wednesday. Could be wrong, so I do apologise to all the listeners out there. You will have to correct me and lambast me on Twitter for getting it wrong. Um, so, Brentford, the one big talking point, David Raya, Matt as a goalkeeper. Um, what were your opinions at the time when we sold Raya? I didn't like it. I remember saying to my girlfriend, uh, the big boots to fill, not in a sense. I know he made a lot of mistakes and, and people slated him, but at the end of the day, he came through the academy. We watched him in a way grow from this little Spanish keeper that played against Derby for Southport and, and had a blinder to being a, a championship quality goalkeeper uh, and, a, and a league one promotion winner. Uh, they were big boots to fill and, I wasn't happy with it, and nor had I seen any of the names at the time being blandished about, like Scott Carsons and Kaylee Ruse and Christian Waltons that we were being linked with. I didn't, I know, I didn't like it at all. But and I'm still of that opinion now. I wish we kept him for all the for all the mistakes he's done. Walton has, in a way, made the same. And for somebody that isn't ours, we had an asset in Raya that could only get better. Walton, we send back at the end of the season. So very important. Alex, do you echo that? Do you miss Ray or do you think that, that Walton has been a decent enough replacement? I completely agree with what Matt just said. And I think 
the biggest annoyance for me with goalkeepers is when you have a goalkeeper in in net that you're not so keen on and he's not your own either. And so you don't actually get to see the finished product. You know, he's making mistakes in your net to eventually be the proven goalkeeper for somebody else. And I don't really like that theory and way of doing things. I think Marbury said when he left Coventry bottom of League One that you can't build a club off loans. And I think I completely agree with him on that. And so it was disappointing for me looking retrospectively at the transfer window to see a seller young asset in Raya, but then only replaced with a loan player. I think I'd have been much more relaxed about it had we brought in another goalkeeper on a permanent basis. And, there were, you know, there was talk of a more experienced goalkeeper coming in, but that didn't materialise, obviously. So looking back retrospectively, I was dis- I was disappointed that we didn't bring a permanent goalkeeper in. But at the time he was sold, I can't turn around and lie to you. I, I wasn't too disappointed about it. But now looking back, I think it probably was a mistake, you know, especially seeing as though we we didn't seem to invest that money into the squad. So Definitely see your point. I do tend to agree with the Perry there. Um, I think when you sell players that are in the first team, um, especially a player that you don't necessarily need to sell, um, it's, it's all about the replacement that you bring in. And, and for me, Walton, as you both touched on, isn't our own and isn't that much of an upgrade, if at all. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's definitely interesting, to say the least. Um, but he'll be returning with Brentford um, on Wednesday. So, Brentford at the moment are in ninth position. They've won seven of their 16 games, drawing three and losing six. Um, they're looking up, aren't they? They're looking at the playoffs. Um, Matt, uh, massive a different prospect, isn't it? the Barnsley game, is that another game we should be looking at winning or are you taking a draw against Brentford? I think it depends how Saturday goes. If Saturday's a massive nervous wreck and it like it, like Alex predicted, it's a 2-1 holding on for dear life towards the end, then I'd probably be inclined to take a draw. But if we go out and play well on Saturday and play how we should have been playing all season and the way we started against Preston... I reckon we're gonna. I reckon we we should be looking at winning it. it. I think it all depends on how we do Saturday. In a way, it's almost like for us, it's almost like having a new manager and a new system because we don't know what he's done over over those two weeks. He could have gone back to basics, back to what we started doing in League One when we were playing well, and instead of trying to play this football that he, he's trying to build on with all these strikers, um, and we could go out wipe the floor with Barnsley, and then you're sitting there going, actually, you know what? We've turned a corner here. We need to be going and beating Brentford to push to start winning. Get to start winning a string of games. Uh, right at the second, I'll take a draw. But I think Saturday is the real is when we'll find out whether or not it's a, a it's a in a way a, a must win or a I'll take a draw. Fair point, Alex. Uh, what are you expecting against Brentford? Of course, like like Matt said, it is difficult to talk about about that with the Barnsley game still looming. Um, but um, are you expecting three points? It is at home, and and I like to think that we can at least 
put up a very good fight in all our home games. So what what are you thinking, Alex? I'd never settle for a point before any home game in the Championship. I don't think that's the right attitude to have at the minute, especially mm-hmm. when we need to play catch-up on where we need to get to for Marbury's sake. But I think what Matt touched on is 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 right in some ways that the result on Saturday will have a massive determining factor on the mood going into Wednesday's game. I think, yeah, if we do win, then... I think the fans are looking to see that consistency come back that we got used to in the League One season and that we showed signs of last season in certain spells when we managed to string maybe three or four wins together. So I think the the big key is winning on Saturday first and not thinking about Wednesday night whatsoever until we've got Saturday out of the way. Um, if I, you know, I can criticise Marbury all I want, but one thing I definitely can't criticise him on is the, you know, the due diligence he gives the opposition and how much focus and attention he'll be giving Saturday's game. So let's get Saturday out of the way first, win the game on Saturday, and then go into Wednesday night expecting Brentford to, you know, come to Ewood as they always do and try and play football. Um, but I think it's our job to spoil the game a bit and not be afraid to spoil the game like we did last season and come away 1-0 winners. I think, you know, if with the position we're in in the league at the minute, that's might, that might be what we have to do in the short term to get the results to pull away from danger. So I've always been a big believer that winning football is attractive football. So, you know, I'm not going to go back on that now. But So, you know, let's win on Saturday and then focus on Wednesday. But I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be aiming for any less than six points, you know, as that would be for any two home games in the Championship. If we lose against Barnsley and Brentford then, Matt, does that signal the end of Mowbray? Do you think that his time will be up then? Um, it's uh, In a way, he's earned himself the ability to turn things around with the way he's taken us. I mean, we could end up like, and I've seen a lot of people compare us to Sunderland and the position they're in what he's done for us is massive and we owe him a lot whether whether or not it's letting him stay to try and fix the job or 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 not in a way we're not really in danger of getting into that bottom three or four in a way I'm looking at it Barnsley if they beat us they're still a way off a way off um catching catching up to us Stoker have turned up on the up and away. Middlesbrough aren't looking at winning. Luton, I'm seeing lots of reds on their losses. Wigan is Wigan. In a way, it will definitely play a factor in it massively. And I definitely think it will come a lot sooner after it. But I think he's, he's given himself, by the way, he for what he's done for our club, the ability to try and turn around, which is what I think they're doing. I think if it had been Appleton or, or Lambert or even Bowyer at this point, we'd be sacking them. We did it with Coyle at this point. We were a lot worse, admittedly, but we, we, we sacked him. I think because of what he's done and the trust he's been, he's given Venkies, he deserves that chance to do it. And people saying, oh, well, we can go get David Moyes and Mark Hughes or, or this, that, and the other, and it's like a lot of these people don't want to come unless there's money to spend. 
and we've shown we've managed to spend, but that's come after two years or a year's worth of, of trust building and they're not going to want to wait for that. So it's, it, if we lose the two, it'll definitely be the start of, of it'd be basically packing his things, but he won't be going quite yet is what I think. Alex losses against uh, Brentford and Barnsley um, or Barnsley and Brentford in, in the correct order. Is that it? Is, is that time up for Mowbray? Do you see at that point the trigger being pulled? Because of course, at that point, I imagine the fans will be wanting it. They'll be paying for blood. But of course, that decision down to Venkis. Venkis pulling the trigger. I think you just alluded to it just then, Tom, that he may get the sack from the fans, but maybe not from the owners. And we've seen that with two managers in the last eight years where the fan base has completely turned against them but they've been kept in position far longer than necessary. And that's led to massive divisions within the club that we've, that, you know, that we're all very aware of. Um, with, with what Matt said, I, I, I do understand in some ways about the, you know, giving him time to turn it round. But I think my concern is that if we allow things to go on as they are, and he does lose the next two games, I think Mowbray risks actually undoing all of the good work that he actually has done so far. And I don't think we should let him get to that stage. Um, I'm looking at the league table now, and I'm I'm looking at the six clubs that are below us in the league, and I'm looking at Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, Stoke. Would you be utterly convinced that they'd be below us at the end of the season after 46 games? I'm not too sure, you know. I think Middlesbrough may change manager quite soon, and I think Huddersfield and Stoke have just recently changed manager, and I think they'll probably improve as the season goes on. And so, if we do lose the next two games, I would. Yes, it is difficult to say about a manager that has won a promotion for us, but it would be time to go, and. If Maurizio Pochettino can be sacked this week after what he's done at Tottenham, then I'm I'm pretty sure that Tony Mowbray can be sacked by Blackburn Rovers. And for me, I don't know what you guys think, but I look back to last January and the real failure to capitalise in the transfer window and build from a position of strength and, you know... The rest is history. We we take four points from 11 games. And I don't really think anything's been the same since then. I think that's left a bit of a scar on Mowbray. And I think with a lot of the fans, I think that's when he used up his credit in the bank from the promotion season. So it's, it is incredibly difficult to say, but I would be looking to make a change I can't lie, I'd be, I'd be looking to make a change anyway, but if we do lose the next two games, I think that only adds to the pressure and adds to the uncertainty, you know. But as we all know, Venkis never failed to surprise us. And so it would be absolutely stupid of me to come on here and start predicting what Venkis may or may not do. You know, it, the list could be endless. I mean, they could... They could sack him tomorrow and appoint Mark Hughes or they could 
keep him for the next three years or they could sack him next week and appoint a Bollywood actor, who knows. But <laughs> the one thing about Venkis is the unpredictability. So I would like to think that they would take action, but who's to say they would? You know, Owen Coyle lasted until February, didn't he? He did. So... No, that's, that's a fair point. I think for me, for, for what my opinion's worth, I'd, at that point I would be saying, yeah, it is probably time to go. Um, but the only people that can make the decision um, are currently in India and obviously have a lot of respect for the job that Mowbray's done, as do I. Like you say, both of you alluded to, you can discredit what the man has done. For me, he's always seen one of my favourite periods as a Rovers fan, as a younger fan. Um, experiencing the promotion was unbelievable, um, even if it was from League One. Um, so I've got a lot of respect for the man. Um, but football's a cutthroat business and there's there's no... There's no time for, for keeping someone in because of past success when, when they're not doing a good job. But hopefully we don't have to have that discussion. We beat both Barnsley and Brentford um, and go on a nine-game winning run. So, on to your questions then, the listening public. Um, so the first question is, how important are these next two back-to-back home games for Rovers? And in particular, Tony Mowbray. And that question is from Mark Whittle. So, how important are these next two back-to-back games? We spoke about it, so only a brief explanation from the pair of you. Um, But, Matt, if you want to start, how important are they? Uh, Fairly important from the reasons that we've given. But, um, obviously, like we've touched upon, Two two losses from these two games could spell the end for 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 Mowbray. So for Mowbray, very important for for our season and the way it's currently going, fairly important. So only fairly important. Okay, Alex, would you put that up a notch? Are you going to go with very important? I'll go on. I will put it up a notch, and I think just the reason the reason is the pressure and the anxiety and the anger that's bubbling within the fan base at the minute. And I just think that one really bad home performance could lead to the crowd turning in a way that we haven't really seen since the 16-17 season or even early in the League One season. <laughs> and we none of us want that. So I think it's it's vital that we keep that at bay and we do pick up at least four points in the next two games. I think anything less, I think maybe, I think two points or less, and I think Mowbray's gone personally. With the fans, that is, with the fans. Which leads us on quite nicely to the next point from um, Liam, whose Twitter name is simply Blackburn Rovers. Um, If it gets to the point, will Venkis actually sack TM? So again, we've spoke about this. Um, It's fine, the, the fans running out of patience. Um, are Venkis going to pull the trigger? Um, or do you think they will pull the trigger? Uh, Alex, just yes or no? Do I want them to pull the trigger? Yes. Do I think they will pull the trigger? No. 
Matt? Can I go for eventually? Yeah, eventually is fine. If you think eventually they will do. Yeah. yeah, I just think it. I think he's deserved. Like I said, he's given himself more time than any any of the other managers probably would have. Definitely, I I, I tend to go along with that. I'm very much in a in a difficult position with that one. Um, I think similar to you, Matt. I'd say eventually they will. Um, it's a case of when. Um, if Mowbray was to leave, this is from Ben Smith. If Mowbray is to leave. Who is our first choice to take over? Um, Alex, again, I know yours, Mr. Ainsworth. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, that, that's correct, Gareth Ainsworth. Can I ask why? Because I've I've seen a couple of people said he's a Blackburn fan, but I'm not sure how true that is, nor have I heard it from anybody that I trust. So, I, And as somebody that I trust, Alex, what what's, what's the reason behind that? The reason that Gareth Ainsworth is a Blackburn fan is that he was born in Blackburn and was brought up in Blackburn and actually went to the same secondary school that I did. So I can confirm that he is a Blackburn I, a Blackburn fan. <laughs> I meant more the um, I was using that more of a like I've heard he's a Blackburn fan, but I, I, I don't understand why people would would want Gareth Ainsworth, who's only had one managerial uh, role uh, with Wickham. You know, it, I, I understand, just I understand your point of view. I think you look at Gareth Ainsworth. You, you know, you can talk about his one job, but he is the longest-serving manager in the football league. That gives an indication that he is highly regarded at the current, you know, the club he's currently at. I think he's been there going on eight years now. Um, a very unfashionable club in Wickham, who have little money to spend took them over at the bottom of League 2, got them promoted out of League 2, and they're currently sat at the top of the tree in League 1, only a few places in the pyramid below us. So I'm I'm a big believer in looking at managers from the lower leagues, and I think, you know, you look at other clubs that have done so, I mean, I, I don't, a lot of people disregard this example, but uh, people forget that Brentford took Dean Smith from Walsall when Walsall were near the top of League One. And uh, Dean Smith did a good job at Brentford and then moved on to Villa, obviously. And he's now in the Premier League. So I think with Gareth Ainsworth, you're looking at a manager that has many, many league games, managerial experience under his belt. Admittedly so, not at championship level. But I think it's safe to say that after seven seasons in management that he knows the job inside out. And I think he would come to Rovers so, so desperate to succeed, being at his hometown club and the club he supports. And I think a big factor in bringing a manager in is that the manager actually wants to be there. I think that's a key thing. You see, knowing that he's a Blackburn fan now, I'd quite happily take him. Seeing the success of clubs who have had managers as fans, i.e. Villas with Dean Smith uh, against um, Gareth Ain, uh, not Gareth Ainsworth. Uh, there's, there's a, basically, there's been a couple of clubs that have had fans as managers and have gone on to do very good things. Uh Unfortunately, only Villa spring to mind for some stupid reason. Chris Wilder at Sheffield United as well is a good example. Yeah, that's the other. That's the other one I'm thinking. Both of which took clubs from League 
with League One in Sheffield, uh, United case, but Villa from bottom half in one season to the Premier League. When you put it like that, I quite happily take Gareth Ainsworth, Blackburn fan. Like you say, he's desperate to he's desperate to succeed and in a way write his own history and write himself into the history book and the legend book, which I'm sure Chris Wilder has done already at Sheffield United and. Dean Smith will eventually do Aston Villa if he stays there long enough. Um, put it like that, great. I'd love to. I'd love to have an Ainsworth, and I'm 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 glad you you told me about all of that because, like I said, I hadn't experienced uh, basically seen everybody on Twitter going, "Oh, let's get Ainsworth because he's a Blackbird fan." It's, uh, you know, and I, I'd only heard of him and, and at Wickham. I know he played at Wickham for a while, and I thought actually he was a Wickham fan. So, I, but I'm not from Blackburn either. So, you know, what do I know? Very true, Matt. What do you know? Um, <laughs> for what it's worth, um, you know, mine. It's it's not Ainsworth. It's a stretch one, but it'd be, it'd be Chris Hewton would be mine. Uh, whether or not he'd come is a completely different uh, conversation. Okay, so uh, Dan asks. If everyone fit, if everyone is fit, who is our best centre forward? Literally for this one again, just want the name and a quick explanation of why. Um, so Alex, who's the best centre forward at the club, um, and quick explanation is why. Um, Danny Graham, because he's the only player that we've got up front that scores on a regular basis and has proven that. Very true. Very true, Matt. Uh, Daisy the Monk Lady. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I'd agree with Graham, but he's not playing as much and he's come to the end of his career. But I'd sort of have to go with him in a way because he, he is the only one that has proved in the past to be a consistent goal scorer. Definitely. Um, I think Danny Graham as well. Um, the link-up play he brings is, is phenomenal. Quite a fan of hold-up play myself. It's probably because it's the only thing I can actually do when I play on a Sunday morning at Pleasanton. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's go through. Josh Logan asks, what players do we need to bring in Jan? So, any players, any positions that we might need to strengthen in January, Alex? Oh, take my pick. Um I'll go with left back because Cunningham's out for the season, mm-hmm. and I'm really not comfortable with Amari Bell playing there for the full forty-six games. So that's the quick answer. Yeah, I can, I can go along with that. Matt, any any specific area that you think we need strengthening? Can I only choose one? Yeah, just go with one. Um, just go with the one, the most important one. Uh, left back because I couldn't trust Amari Bell to wipe his own ass. Never mind, defend. So we go. It seems to be a common thing. Um, the injury to Cunningham has been a real downer, I must admit, because um, I was really uh, beginning to like him um, when he was there. I think just because of his ability. Um, I do tend to agree with you both that Bell perhaps isn't the most trustworthy in that position. Anyway, that brings us to the end of our questions and the end of the podcast. So I'd like to thank both Alex and Matthew for their uh, tones over the uh, airwaves this evening. Um, can you call them airwaves if it's a podcast? I'm not sure, but it's a song on what was uh, Danny Baker's Sausage Sandwich Game, so I'm going to um, stick with it. 
Um, so, Alex, thank you very much for your uh, tours tonight. And Matthew, thank you. Here's hoping to three points on Saturday. And thank you for listening. Growing up, you and your buddies were always on the same page. Thursday was pickup basketball night. Saturday was an Xbox gaming binge, but then the buddies started falling off one by one. So what if they all have that ring on their finger and you're the only single bachelor left? You've got your own bling. And this one doesn't come with any commitment, just a few really good moments of chill bliss. Why the sheets not go for the gold? For a limited time at Sheets, get your hands on a $3.99 milkshake like the Toffrees. Made with Hershey's Heath Bars. Unwind with golden ribbons of buttery caramel and a heaping scoop of whipped cream. And don't forget, you can save $1 when you order on the app. At Sheets, there are endless options when it comes to delicious drinks. Coffee house style cold brews, hot coffees, lattes, shakes, refreshers, and so much more. Everything is customizable so you always get exactly what you want. And when we say always, we mean 24-7, 365.